0: Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm
0: Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast one and all. Um, how are you this week? I am mostly well, I believe. I don't have any major complaints, other than an ongoing discrepancy with uh, a cleaning company that cleaned my old house. But other than that, not really. What about you? Yeah,
1: I'm alright. I'm on my final week of work in my current um, workplace. Before you go off to become a lion tamer? Exactly, precisely. Mm. Um, Daniel in the lion's den. You've, you've always wanted to do that. Yes, and I have now achieved my life's goal. I can now die in peace. By a lion. By a lion. Because you haven't More. tamed it properly. By a lion, <laughs> correct. Nuffy. Okay, so on to today's episode and today's game. Today's episode is the number 20 game on the Metacritic Top 100 list. The number 20 game is Uncharted 2. Among Thieves, um, Among Thieves scored ninety six as an aggregate score and was released on the PlayStation three in the year two thousand and nine. Um, okay, as we always do. Do you have any history with this game? Yeah, this series.
0: Yeah, I, I've said a few times I don't really care too much for the Uncharted games. Um, I've played through the first one uh, and completed it, and I didn't really get on with it. And I've played through, I thought I'd only played through about three quarters of the second one, but I have actually completed it before on the PS3. Um, it's one of those games that, I don't know, it, I, 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 get the, I get the vibe with Uncharted that you kind of had to play it at the time for you to become a big fan of the series. Because um, I think I played the Uncharted games for the first time probably about four years ago maybe. Um, and I've never really quite gelled with it, but this is my second time playing through Uncharted Two, um, and yeah, like I said, I have completed it before, but I'd completely forgotten how far I'd actually got until I got there again. Until we got to Shambala, um, so yeah, a bit of history, but nothing major really. Um, not not a huge advocate of the series. What about you? I was here at
1: the beginning um, in two thousand and seven, I believe, when uncharted one came out got it for christmas um it's a funny one uncharted one even at the time i felt it was a very flawed game and the pacing was all over the place um too much combat but at the same time i enjoyed it and i remember messaging my friend backwards and forwards on christmas day um about uncharted and where we got up to and i kind of um came away thinking i enjoyed that but I wasn't overwhelmed by it. I wasn't um, chomping at the bit for a sequel. This is where I think Uncharted 2 kind of blew everyone away at the time because it was the equivalent of Assassin's Creed 2 compared to Assassin's Creed 1. It came along, it got rid of a lot of the issues with Uncharted 1. It um, presented a, a more epic, compelling story it was um more of the characters that you grew to love in uncharted 1 because um that was one thing that uncharted 1 did really well the characterization and the the humor and the storytelling even if the story itself wasn't amazing so um i started seeing trailers for uncharted 2 and um they looked really good and i thought okay this this looks like a real step in the right direction and then then the reviews came out and obviously it got very positive reviews And I played it that Christmas again, um, the Christmas that it came out, 2009. And I was pretty blown away by it at the time. Um, Because cast your mind back to 2009, you didn't really get cinematic experiences on this level. um, With this level of voice acting, this level of facial animation, all that stuff. They just were nailing it. And it was really that sort of period where we started to see that more and more and our expectations became higher and higher obviously it's in every game now so um, production values have gone through the roof and um, the toothpaste is out of the tube in terms of that I think it's very hard to scale back for these triple-a games but yeah so so this was a, a big impactful game and I, I, I was a big fan at the time and then I played Uncharted 3 when that came out. We were at university then. I was um, less impressed by Uncharted 3, but it has some really, really high, high points. Um, but it also has some bits that I'm not as fond of. And Uncharted 4, I'm big fan of. And I, I think when you come to play that, I think you're going to enjoy that one. Um, I think it's going to be more in line with a contemporary game and probably less of the the frust- frustrating bits that I think you find in these earlier games. And I will admit, the uh, Uncharted games uh, haven't aged as well as other games. Um, when you go back and play them, there are definitely some frustrating bits in there. There are definitely some pacing issues even in Uncharted 2. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm quite a big fan of this series. I wouldn't say it's my favourite series or anything like that, but... Um, I've played all of them, they've had all oh, with the exception of um the one that came out on the Vita, which was golden
0: claw or something
1: golden something, but it, I don't think it was claw um, I don't think it was the golden compass either, <laughs> but it was something the golden snitch, um, the golden snitch precisely, yep, golden eye
0: that's it, the golden eye,
1: <laughs> uncharted golden eye. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, I haven't played that one, admittedly, and I, I would like to go go and play that one. I'm I'm surprised they've never done a remaster of that game elsewhere, because I feel like it would sell well. Um, yeah, so I played all of them, including The Lost Legacy, and yes, I'm quite a keen fan of these games. Let's put it that way. Um, so, where did you play uh, Uncharted Two for this episode?
0: Uh, For this episode, I played it on the PS4 HD trilogy thing that they bought out a few years ago. Um, I do have all three of the first Uncharted games on PS3, like physical copies, and that's where I played them first. Uh, I've not not ever played the third one or the fourth one or Lost Legacy, Um, so I've only played the first two. But yeah, this time around, I played it on the HD collection on the PS4, which I'm guessing is where you played it as well, but on my PS5.
1: Yeah, so... um... The, the remasters that Bluepoint did on the PS4 were very good and they did um, iron out any sort of performance issues with those games. They're running at 60 frames per second. They're very smooth. They um, they redid a lot of the assets um, to make them look a bit more polished. It was one of those remasters that made the game look like how you remembered it in your mind's eye. Yeah. And I think for that, yeah, it was it was a good remaster. And I wouldn't want to go back to the original sort of Creaky PS3 versions because these versions came out and they were the definitive versions. So this is the way to play them um, for a modern gamer. Okay, so would you like to give us a rundown of the plot and also touch on some of the characters within this game?
0: Yeah. So, uh, how, how many years after the first game does this take place? It's not clear, but it's it's. I, I think maybe it's supposed to be a year. Okay. Um... So the game starts with um the the lead character Nathan Drake and he's like on some kind of holiday or island or he's taking some time out from being a treasure hunter for everyone for anyone from that being doesn't being a mass murderer. Yes, uh, a, a genocidal maniac. Uh for anyone that doesn't know what the Uncharted games are about, it's effectively like a modern version of Indiana Jones um with hints of James Bond thrown in there as well. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a mashup, but the um, the second game starts with uh, Nathan Drake being approached by two people that he um, he he seemingly knows, um, a woman called Chloe. What's her surname? Chloe Fraser. Chloe Fraser, and is it Harry Flynn? Yeah,
1: oh yeah. sorry, I didn't know you were asking me. I was... <laughs>
0: Harry Flynn um, with Harry the, Potter with Harry Potter, and they're on search for the Philosopher's Stone. That um, they they're, they they've been given a job by a wealthy benefactor, to pick up this uh, lamp from a museum and steal it. Um, They get into the museum, but Drake gets double-crossed by Chloe and and Harry, spends a uh, a few months in a Turkish prison until he gets out. It seems that Chloe is double-crossing Harry, um, and they go on a search for um, something that was put down by Marco Polo, uh, which is like a key, which takes them to a place called Shambhala, which is like a an ideal kind of land that's remained hidden for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and the game is is pitting Nathan Drake and his little crew, uh, Sully, um, Elena, and to some extent Chloe, um, against the, the bad guys, which is um, headed by... I don't really know what country they're from, but all of the villains in this game have the exact same voice and <laughs> the Eastern exact same Europe, accent. General yeah. broad Eastern European. Um, He's called Lazarevich. Lazarevich, yeah. Um, who are trying to also get the key and get into this place, but for, for bad. Um, and it's effectively, you've got to get the key back and save the world because the bad guys are going to do terrible things. And that's... Well, what they end up finding in Shambhala is the Tree
1: of Life. Um, so that's what they're kind of... Um, going for although they don't know it for the majority of the adventure but yeah there's 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 various wrinkles along the way and he runs into elena from the first game again and um you find yourself going all across asia but also other places as well um into the himalayan mountains and yeah it's 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 quite the uh, roller coaster ride from beginning to end and one of the early sort of set-piece games. Set-pieces play a big role here. And there yeah. are some fantastic set-pieces to this day.
0: Um, yeah. So what do you do in this game? We kind of talked a bit about the plot. It's, it's an action platformer um, with a little bit of puzzle solving in there. It's For anyone that's never played it, think of the original Tomb Raider games, kind of. And particularly the, the newer Tomb Raider games. Because the newer Tomb Raider games and the Uncharted games... A very, very similar. Um, wow. Well, that, that's an interesting one because,
1: yeah, Uncharted definitely was inspired by the original Tomb Raider games. Yeah. But the new Tomb Raider games are inspired, are inspired, by, inspired Uncharted. by Uncharted. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. Um, but it, it's got elements of the old Tomb Raider games in there, but kind of cranked up to 50 um, with a lot more platforming, a lot more action, a lot more set pieces. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, the, the best way to describe it is it's an action platformer with a little bit of puzzle solving in there, you know? Um, yeah, and... With a few other elements here and there as well. And the puzzles here actually take a bit of a backseat. There are more puzzles
1: yeah. in Uncharted 1, I feel. Um, and there aren't as many here. You'll be using your notepad less, or your notebook less here. Um, and I would say that the puzzles that are there are really quite basic. So there's nothing there's nothing head scratching here and it's really quite Yeah, I'd say it's quite um straightforward. Pedestrian. And I don't know what the reason Yeah, I don't know what the reason for that is. It it, um, it did
0: take me about five minutes to work out the um the clue right at well towards the end of the game where you're having to put the different um keys in the different positions and then changing the the Or maybe it's just that I've done them a lot. And I mean I'm it very wasn't very hard it it, it it took me a, about three minutes to, to work out and then two minutes to actually do it so it, it wasn't it wasn't difficult and once you know what you're doing it's quite easy um, yeah. But yeah there wasn't much puzzle solving in this game which to be fair I was quite grateful for I feel like if you've played
1: any other game with puzzles and we just played Twilight Princess the puzzles here are yeah you could probably do them with in your sleep um, so yeah it's it's not one of the strongest elements um, but as you say, you've got the platforming, which um, it's it surprisingly, people say about Uncharted that it's just press forward and jump, but it's surprising the amount of times that you can die doing the platforming, and I died, I've, I've yeah. completed this game countless times, I've completed this game on hard difficulty, I've not attempted crushing yet, um, but I will do one day, and... I died quite a few times just by jumping off random ledges. That
0: was that was a majority of the cause of a lot of my deaths because I don't think yeah. I, I don't think I died for the first time until because I, I got um, an achievement for like killing one hundred and seventy-five enemies without dying. So I got yeah relatively far in. I think I probably got just less than halfway, and then I died from like a poor platforming section, and that was one of my biggest gripes with this game. So, like the controls are fine, and you know we'll get onto that I imagine, but. It's very imprecise, and you can fling Drake off in quite a few directions, and it'd be completely wrong. Uh, and that that yeah. was one of my biggest gripes with the game: that the platforming. If if you want a good platformer, you have to make sure that the platforming is damn good. Like if that is the gimmick of your game, and it felt like with Uncharted Two, and and definitely for Uncharted One, I can't can't come on, comment on the other ones, but the the platforming was a little bit lacking. Well,
1: it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing because platforming has changed. If you're talking about the very old platformers, mm. it was very much trial and error. Yeah, and yeah definitely. You would die all the time. Um, if you're talking about contemporary platformers where a lot of the frustrations have been taken out of it, this is not there either. It's sort of this middle ground. And I think because of the time it was released, um, it's this kind of awkward middle ground that no one really goes for. It's not a hardcore platformer by any means, but it's not this smooth streamlined Assassin's Creed free running sort of thing either. So it's yeah, it's a funny one that sometimes it's due to um, poorly telegraphed points where you can jump to. I had that a few times where I I wasn't quite sure I was supposed to jump. So I jumped and died. Yeah, Um, that happened a fair few times. And and like I said, I've completed this game several times before. But just in those moments, I kind of, um, yeah, didn't know what I was doing and jumped off the side of a cliff because why not (laughs) so yeah i i'd agree with that um okay so let's talk about um the gameplay so is uncharted 2 fun to play
0: yeah for the most part it it controls relatively well like i said that some of the platforming is a bit imprecise and i think you're right a lot of that does come down to the the in-between kind of phase that this game came out in perhaps um but yeah overall it's quite fun some of the combat is irritating sometimes, and there are a lot of sections in this game where it just needs to rein it in a little bit. I feel, um, in terms of excessive force and you know, monotonous repeating combat sections with you know enemies. But uh, overall, I'd say that it's fun. Yes. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that, and it, it comes with
1: some caveats, of course, mm. as you said. Um, One of of my big frustrations here is the stealth. The stealth has seen a big improvement over Uncharted 1 where it was near enough non-existent. You couldn't really go far with stealth in that game. Here there are more moves available to you. You've got enemies that are a bit less prone to seeing you straight away. There's there's some sort of um, detection system going on with the AI but it's still far too erratic and it's still far too much reliant on trial and error. And there are certain points um, within the map where once you cross them, whatever you're doing, even if you're behind cover or hidden, um, the game will auto detect you. And to me, that's pretty poor. Um, So I I find that annoying. There was another moment where um, I ran out of bullets and it was late in the game and there were two armoured enemies and it's at the point where you're with um, with Chloe and Elena and yep. they both had handguns they were shooting these enemies they shot the helmets off these enemies but they would not kill them so i stood there for about 2 minutes um, waiting for them to kill these enemies but they would not do it so i eventually just decided to run off ahead and i ran off ahead i obviously crossed some kind of um, boundary line in yeah boundary in the map and then Elena died, and it said, Oh, she's dead. Well, she wasn't dead. She was not even getting shot, really. So it was just the fact that I crossed this line, so the game didn't want me to progress. Yeah. And so I like killed all the dying. enemies. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that's not great either. So, yeah, there, there's, some, there's some definite iffy bits in there. But then the bit that I played, because we, we met up over the weekend, the yeah. bit that I played when you were here, the train, I think is an absolutely brilliant set piece. And I feel like that is where this game shines and where the combat shines in situations like that where it does keep kind of shaking it up. Um, whereas there are there are points where, like the monastery, the combat just goes on and on and on and you you could just do it with a break. So yeah, it's, <clears throat> it comes with caveats, but generally speaking, I'd say it's fun. It's not like a really deep game. It's not um, Splinter Cell. No, um, the combat's quite basic um, the variety of guns is quite simple there aren't many moves you can do um, there are more stealth moves here than in the previous game um, okay so what is your favourite move
0: to do in this game? Um, it, it, it's a little bit limited isn't it as to, to what you do whether it's combat or platforming or puzzles um, but I'd say probably probably some of the combat and some of the guns that you get to use um the grenade launcher was quite fun i tended to find myself either using the um one of the pistols just like the standard 9mm uh, pistol or the m4 um where possible i didn't really like using the ak um or any of the shotguns cuz i didn't find them very effective but like some of some of the guns are quite you know felt quite good to use particularly the the grenade launcher and the m4 i think um and later on the crossbow was all right as well um what what do you think yeah i think
1: that the new stuff that was added to this game um compared to uncharted 1 is the better stuff right i don't know why that is um but yeah i i really enjoyed the crossbow i think that's a great little addition and just very satisfying to use um i like the wes 44 the uh like the magnum sort of thing yeah and the desert eagle that's also fun to use um Anything that's just very powerful that requires a bit of precision, I enjoy using. Um, So yeah, I I, I like the guns and I like the stealth moves when they work and when you get the opportunity to use them, but I like stealth in games anyway, but it's it's not, as I say, the most fleshed out stealth system by any means. Something I wanted to discuss here is um, something... That I think all games need, and it ties into the pacing. There's a there's a point in Uncharted Two that critics really kind of fixated on at the time, and I can understand why. So you, it's about just over halfway through the game. You've just done the train, and you find yourself in the mountain Tibetan in Tibet. Yeah, the a Tibetan mountain village, um, and there's no combat. You're just kind of walking around this environment. You can still explore. There's some treasures to find there. Um, you can you can shake villagers' hands. You can kick the football. With, yeah, kick a football. Um, and you're just kind of following this person. And after all this combat on the train, it's a really nice kind it's of nice reading quiet space. time. Yeah, and it may not be as impactful as it once was, but it was very very impactful back in 2009. When I got there, I was like, this is really really cool. I didn't think this game was going to do something like that. Um, so I think quiet time is important in games. And I think um, it's certainly by no means the first game to have quiet time. Um, but it's something that we've not really talked about much on the on the podcast before. So I just thought I wanted to give it a bit of a, a nod of the head to say that I really appreciated that. And actually, I think um, the creators of Uncharted realised they were onto something because they... Sprinkled more of those moments um, throughout later games to break up um, the pacing with the combat and the
0: platforming and the puzzles. And, and well, there's, um, I don't know if you ever see, I know you've watched a few of Super Bunny Hops videos on YouTube, um, but probably about eight or nine years ago, maybe a bit more now, but he actually made, um, made a video on quiet timing games and how it's so important. Um, and one of the games that he references quite a lot in that. That video ends because it's one of his favourite games if not his favourite game is MGS3 and how MGS3 does Quiet Time very well because I if agree. you think of um, an example that the section where you go back to Celino um, Yask and you meet up with Eva and then the Ocelot unit come in and you have to take them out in that little building and then from there you go into the swamps and you're on your own for ages And then after that, you've got the fight with um, the pain. And after that, you've got the section going up the river and it's all very quiet and it's all very sneaky. Um, And one of the big ones, even though it's a short section, is after you fought the end, um, you've got the section where you climb the ladder. And even though that's a metaphor for Snake literally rising up um, above everything that's come before him, it's also a section of quiet time where it's very obviously supposed to be quiet time and they even implement some music in. Um, to show it and i i really appreciate quiet time and time to reflect i, do. I love because it. like yeah the train set i think you like the train section a lot more than me i thought it was all right but i really would have struggled with this game if it was just balls to the wall action the whole time uh, yeah. i i need sections like that in games, so i always appreciate stuff like that because it just gives you time to to reflect and relax and just take a take a moment you know Sometimes you need to stop. Sometimes
1: you need those um those breathing moments. It's like at university we watched um what was it? It was Evil Dead.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things It's the most intense so one... film I've so... ever watched. Yeah. The remake so from twenty twelve or something, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, we watched that at the cinema and it wasn't a scary film, but it just did not let up with the intensity. And one of the things I said to you straight after coming out was that was the most unrelenting intensity yeah. in a film. And and it wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't... I'm not saying that as a compliment. It, it was... It, it needed too to much. learn to kind of... Yeah, to pace itself and stop and give you a chance to breathe and kind of compose yourself and then scare you again. But, um, yeah, it's... I, I think it's really important and I think the ladder in MGS3 is a great example. One of the other examples that comes to my mind is... Um, the, the, the safe rooms in Resident Evil 4, mm. um, they always come after a boss or like, like the one on the lake and you've got that safe room where no enemies are around and uh, it's a little hut in the yeah. rain and you've got that peaceful music that plays. And after those really high intensity moments, having something like that is exactly what you need. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great thing. So do you want to talk about, a bit about the audio in this game?
0: Yeah, one uh, one of the big things that Uncharted's got going for it is its soundtrack. Uh, most gamers or PlayStation owners, or, or to be fair, just people that have ever played a video game, will know the main Uncharted score. It's very famous um, within the gaming sphere, and it's quite epic. It's, um, In fact, to be fair, I think I might even have it on my gym playlist. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Cause I've got quite so a you're, few... you're the one who's taken the music away this
1: time and had listened to it.
0: Yeah, I mean this is going back years. I've had it on there for quite a while um, because a lot of my gym music is made up of film soundtracks and, and game soundtracks. I think I've got like one of the Halo um, tracks in there as well. But do you work out to the Rocky soundtrack? Of course. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, you, you've got to. If you're going out for a run, you've got to listen to "Gonna Fly Now" by Bill Conti. You know, otherwise you're doing it wrong. But I would say that the the overall music in this game is all right. It's nothing memorable, but the main theme is good. Obviously, the voice acting, if we're talking about sound, is up there because voicing Nathan Drake is um, Nolan North, who is you know one of the two most famous male voice actors in the industry next to the other one, that's, Troy, Baker. Troy Baker, that's in everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Nolan North is a fantastic Nathan Drake, as is the guy that does Sully. I yeah. think the guy that plays Harry as well is very slimy and very unlikable, probably because he's British. Um, you know, the British are always fantastic uh, bad guys. And there are some really um like funny little audio bits I in this game. I love Chloe in
1: this. Um, I love Chloe's voice acting in this game. Yeah, she's good. Really- is so good. I think she's quite subtle with it and mm. there are just some really dramatic moments she, she just nails and, and Elaine is great as well. Um, well, but...
0: the, the the writing for the characters in this game is really good. You made a comment to me yesterday which I'll, I'll let you mention but one of the ones that sticks out to me oh, is right shit. at the start of the game where you're infiltrating the museum and you're climbing up a wall and you've got Harry in your ear and um, as you climb up goes there's a guy above you, there's a guy above you, there's a guy above you and then you grab him, throw him off, and he like, falls off it off the cliff. And then immediately Harry goes, there's a guy below you, there's a guy below you, there's a guy below you. Yeah. Little, little, little bits like this is good. And the the humour is very well performed, but also very well yeah. written in this game, I think.
1: It's got a lot of personality, and I think that's why people liked Uncharted to begin with. That was one thing that Uncharted 1 did really well. Mm. And obviously it's carried over into the the, the sequels. Yeah, this. There's some really funny lines. There's there's the line after he just meets Elena and the cameraman um and he goes into the temple with Chloe and he says um are they a couple? They're not a couple. And he's just <laughs> saying it to himself. Yeah. And it's just it's just funny. Um and then there's yeah the, the stuff with him and Flynn when they're um when they're work, working their way through the the sort of fire temple bit before um when they're Shambhala. on different teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like there's the ugly statue and he says oh, there's a statue of your
0: mum. <laughs> it's it's the, the, the writing it's in just, this game and the performances are really good, but it's also one of my big points of contentions to why I think I've always struggled with Uncharted a bit because I don't dislike Nathan Drake, but I think his character annoys me a little bit because he's just such the like stereotypical cliché of an obnoxious American. And... There is a charm to it, but at a certain point, I'm just like, man, just shut up. Like <laughs> You really annoy me. It's an interesting one
1: because, again, cast your mind back to 2009. This mm. was the time where every protagonist was sort of bald, military type, American. Um, and Uncharted was a bit different from that. Yes, he's still very much kind of a, a stereotypical video game lead, but he was also funny. He had hair. <laughs> yeah. And and he um, one of the things that y- you'll notice in Uncharted 2 is he gets beaten the hell out yeah, he throughout does. that game. He gets absolutely battered. And that was one of the things that I remember from the original Uncharted before it released. They said it was going to be like Tomb Raider except without um, the grace that Lara Croft has. So everything's not done perfectly. It's a bit um, rough and tumble. A bit grittier. Yeah, and, and Nathan Drake definitely is that, And I feel like they really achieved that with Uncharted Two because he just gets put through the ringer through the, 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 the game. And um, I think as well, there are some nice moments with Nathan Drake because he, he does have this kind of um, schoolboy personality. Yeah. But there are also some dramatic moments that you really see a different side to him. And I think they're made more powerful by the fact that most of the time he doesn't take things seriously. And... Especially in later games, there's some really nice dramatic beats um, where he, he you see different sides to his character. So I, I'm a big fan of, of Nathan Drake as a character, and I think yes, he's he's again he's, he's quite typical of video game protagonists. But at the same time, you look at the time that this came out, there were layers. He was a bit different from those ones. I mean, I can count, I can think off the top of my head of so many of those. Very, very stereotypical, yeah, of course. of course, protagonists. Um, so yeah, okay, where were we? Okay, so what about the visuals of this game?
0: Yeah, it's it's standard PS3 era, um, like visuals, I suppose. It looks good, and I think the remaster has certainly helped it. There are like certain elements of it that don't look amazing like today up to, against like modern standards but I don't think this game looks bad um, you know in, in the areas of jungle it is very colourful and it is very poppy um, which is nice but overall I, I don't think it looks bad and obviously as the games progress in terms of the the, the sequels they, they get, get to looking better and better and I know well I've never played it but Uncharted 4 looks fantastic um and it's important to remember that this is a Naughty Dog game, and Naughty Dog don't make bad-looking games. You've just got to look at uh, The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part 2 to know that. Um, so yeah, I'd say the visuals are good on this, particularly the character design and the facial animations. Although, Nathan Drake's eyelids do look a little bit weird. I'll knock a point off <laughs> the eyelids, but other than that, I'd say that they, they look they look decent. Yeah,
1: I'd say this game's aged really well. It's a thirteen-year-old game, but it doesn't look like a thirteen-year-old game. It looks probably like a seven or eight-year-old game. Mm. Um, and there are times when you're playing this that you get some some shots, some shots of the vistas, and it, it's still really impressive stuff. Like that when you first go into the temple just before Shambhala. Oh no, no, it was when you're in Shambhala. You got the the temple and it's raining and the camera pulls all the way out and you just get this shot of the temple in the rain with the um, with the jungle in the background and it looks amazing, it looks really good. Um, that's just very good framing and good art direction. As you said, this game is very colourful and once again, drawing back to 2009, that was a period when games were being very grey and this game was very colourful. Um, so they, they kind of avoided the grays and browns that a lot of games were using back then mm. yeah um, one of the th- one of the things that naughty dog does is um it's not just the visuals it's the technology behind it and i remember in uncharted one there was like um videos making of videos once you completed the game and they kind of showed you how they rigged the jungle so that they had these gusts of wind that went through the jungle and then kind of dynamically impacted the foliage and stuff like that. Um, I found that really impressive in, in at the time and obviously you jump in the water and Drake's t-shirt gets wet. That wasn't really a thing back then. No. But it was in this game. Um, and Uncharted 2, the big one in that game, and there was one in Uncharted 3 as well, was, so the train, um, lots of games have done trains before, but very often it's just this kind of cycling background that you get. Whereas the train in this game is moving through an actual environment and I think that's really impressive and apparently it's very difficult to do and it was one of the first games to do something like this. Um, Uncharted 3 had a building on fire and there was something about the way that the building was on fire and the way it burned and deteriorated that was, again, very yeah. technologically advanced at the time. And I, mean, I remember in Uncharted 4, um, there's a... <laughs> There's a cutscene where um, Drake and Sully... Oh, no, no. It may, it may be Drake and his brother remove their tuxedo jackets. And apparently that was so, so difficult to do a shot of them removing jackets because clothes in games yeah. is so hard to, to animate. And apparently um, lots of other developers asked them how they did it and they borrowed that idea from that. So, yeah, it's, it's just little details that Naughty Dog does so well, well in these games. Yeah, and they do. On to our question of the week. Today we're going to talk about ludonarrative dissonance, which we've kind of um, referenced already. So, ludonarrative dissonance, for those people who don't know, is the concept that um, you've got one thing happening in the story. For example, in the story, Nathan Drake is this lovable rogue who has one-liners for everything. He's very relaxed, playful, and on the other hand, at odds with that... Is the gameplay element where Nathan Drake is a mass murderer who does not blink at killing numerous soldiers, but automatically gets upset when I don't know Elena's got gotten hurt or something. So your gameplay is at odds with your story. A great example of this is um, the Tomb Raider reboot. Um, I, I love this example. So, yeah. So you got you got Lara Croft, who's um, obviously not tomb raider yet and you've got the scene where she's, she's, she's literally kind of, a
0: university student
1: yeah and there's a scene where she's kind of backed against a ball and someone's doing not very nice things or trying to do not very nice things to her and she kills him and she has this huge reaction um yet half an hour later in the game she is now racked up a, a body count of a 100 people and she no longer reacts to it that's ludonarrative dissonance the kind of um Jarring nature of story versus gameplay. There's actually and...
0: there's um, there's a video I can't remember what video it is, and it talks about this, and it, it shows the footage of where she kills her first person, and she's freaking out, and then it goes cut forward thirty minutes, and then it's her with uh, one of the assault rifles that she's picked up, covered in blood, screaming, "I'm coming for you, you bastards!" <laughs> and it's it's mental how fast that that change happens and how fast that moves. It's crazy. It's a, it's a it's a real challenge, I
1: think, for yeah. um, game developers to create a game where the, the gameplay is in line with um, with the, the story, story they want to tell. And I heard something interesting. Well, I read something interesting actually just before we recorded, which was that The Last of Us is kind of the logical extreme of that, where you create this world where killing is justified just so that you don't have ludonarrative dissonance. Yeah. But because you're trying to avoid it, you push things so far into the direction of extreme violence that, I don't know, maybe you missed the point. And, and this this thing said that isn't a better idea not to focus so heavily on violence within video games and do something different, do different gameplay. You don't have to defeat things or kill things, but since the, the dawn of gaming, that's what we've done. We've jumped on Goomba's yeah. heads and th- there's an element of violence to it. Nowadays, I think we are seeing more and more games branch away from that, um, but I think we're still very much tied to this kind of win-lose, fail-state thing of uh, ludonarrative dissonance that we, we get. So, so my question is, that was a very long lead into the question, my question is, does ludonarrative dissonance matter? Very broad question
0: for you. Well, yeah, I think so. Because the first game that I think about when uh, you mention something along those lines is um, Red Dead Redemption 2. It It isn't as prominent in the first Red Dead Redemption because the story is on John Marson who is, you know, going for... We talked about this, didn't we, in our episode, I think. I think so, yeah. You've got John who is trying to kind of redeem himself and become a better man and Red Dead Redemption 1 is its own thing and I think there is a conversation to be had about that but the story that Rockstar tells in Red Dead Redemption 2 is also about someone's redemption and their arc which is Arthur Morgan but it feels in the story of Red Dead Redemption 2 that the developers became a lot more attached to Arthur than they did with John so the story that the narrative is telling of Red Dead Redemption 2 is Arthur Morgan is coming to grips with his own mortality and if you follow the route that the story wants you to take it's about Arthur realizing that there's more to life than what he's doing and he tries to help people around him whether it's people that he's already wronged or just anyone that he meets that he can help whereas if you play it in one, one, one of the ways that one of my my good friends uh played Red Dead Redemption 2 was he just wanted to be an awful cowboy that (laughs) just broke the law and shot loads of people and that was it. Um, So I I don't know how you would really tackle Ludo narrative dissonance because people will play games however they want to play games and if you give them the choice to be a sadistic maniac then if they want to do that they will. It doesn't matter about the story that you're telling because some people just want to play it for that gameplay rather than experiencing yeah. a story, which is fine. But you need to take that into account if you're doing a story that some people might not want to play it in the way that you've written it. Yeah. it's We talked about it a bit in the Grand Theft Auto V episode where Trevor was sort of
1: um, Rockstar's solution to ludonarrative dissonance because he was this character who was a bit unhinged. Therefore, um, you could have this story that went along with his character yeah. and he wasn't behaving... Out of the norm. During the gameplay sections of the game. Um, I think. I think sometimes it matters more than other times. I can play Uncharted. And I can. um, Just enjoy it for what it is. Because I don't think Uncharted 2 takes itself too seriously. And because of that. I don't. Whereas if a game does have a really sort of heavy emotional story. It jars with me a lot more. Um. So, it's something that I've become more more aware of with the Uncharted games than I was before, but it doesn't really bother me, yet, I think, with some other games, I think it would bother me a lot more, Um, but that could be that I've had a long relationship with Uncharted, but like I said, I do see it more, and I do notice it more, especially in those cutscenes where all of a sudden Nathan Drake is really concerned about the welfare of uh, one of his party members, and then... Or like that camera guy in
0: Uncharted 2, whatever his name was, Jeff or, or, yeah. or whatever. Jeff um, thing, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a weird contrast. Yeah. <laughs> and, and three seconds later, he's
1: massacring an yeah. army of uh, Eastern European soldiers. That's right. Yeah. It, it, it's a funny one. Um, okay. So let's uh, let's
0: get to our conclusion. Does Uncharted 2 deserve to be on the list? I think so. This isn't this isn't a bad game. I enjoyed it a lot more this time than I did the last time, but I'm still not convinced by this series. Um, yeah, I get it. I, I don't know if I'll play Uncharted 3. I know that um, I think one of the games in your list is going to be Uncharted 4, isn't it? Um, yeah, that would be interesting for you to
1: play that in-between and see what you make of that one, because it's quite an in-between one. Yeah. Because in terms of time frame when it was released, it came out in... 2014,
0: 2015.
1: It might have been um, 2011, actually. Oh, Uncharted 4? Um, Uncharted 3. Oh, Uncharted 3, yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, Or maybe 2012, 2011 or 2012, and Uncharted 4 was 2016.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, it'd be an interesting one, because it, it, obviously it slots right in the middle, and I'd say they did have some learnings from Uncharted 2, yet at the same time... I don't know, I, I there are... I really like the places that Uncharted 2 takes you. like uh, Quite literally, the locations that Uncharted 2 takes you. And I think Uncharted 3 takes you to some really great locations as well. But there's just some points in it that are dip moments for me. But, I mean, maybe if we ever play it uh, for the podcast, we can discuss it in more detail. But um, I think Uncharted 2 deserves to be on the list. Mm. I, I mean, as a fan of the game, I don't think it should be number 20. I think it should be um probably in the final quarter of the list um because it hasn't quite aged as well as it once uh well it isn't as good as it once was yeah um but it's still entertaining and it's still held up decently well I'd say and it's still just an entertaining um i said to you We played some quite heavy games recently. Obviously, we just did Twilight Princess, and they were quite time-consuming and demanded a lot of us, but this game was not that at all. It was a game that you could just pick up. It's like an action film, isn't it? It is. It's like that Friday night film. You can just stick something on, don't think about it too much, and just have a good time. That's what Uncharted 2 is for me, and not many games do that nowadays, so I kind of appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I agree with you in terms of its placement. I think it deserves to be there. It might not be for me, um, but I'll be interested to see where where four sits for me. I imagine I'll probably get on a bit better with that because it's a bit more modern. Um, yeah, but we'll see, I suppose. But yeah, I I think it's it's got its place. That kind of wraps up Uncharted Two. What have we
1: got coming up on the podcast next week?
0: Christmas special. Christmas special. The special episode for Christmas. at uh, Christmas for the special. Um, we've over the past few years, I think the first year that we did the podcast, we did um, we did Super Mario Mario Galaxy, Galaxy wasn't it? Yeah, for the first Christmas. Then last Christmas, we, there aren't very many games on this list with that Christmas show Christmas in it, in it. Uh, or or in existence with Christmas in them. Yeah, arguably, we probably could have done Undertale as a Christmas one because that's got a little Christmassy section with snow, perhaps, but we True. didn't know that ahead of time. Uh, so last year we did Canis Canem Edit or, or Bully because that's got a Christmas section. And this time, same as with Canis Canem Edit, we're, we're going off the list. So we're, we're doing something that isn't on the top 100 but does have Christmas as a theme. Uh, so we're going to be doing the PS5 game and now PC game, uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, that released uh, maybe about two years ago or so. Um, it's a bit of a an add-on additional to the the Spider-Man game that was released by uh, Insomnia. Insomniac uh, Insomniac in 2018. So it's basically a Spider-Man game where you play as Miles Morales and it takes place in New York at Christmas. I've played it before and I've completed it and I think it's a, a very good game, but it's also very atmospheric to, to New York at Christmas. I say as someone that's never been to New York at Christmas, but I've seen media, so... Um but yeah that that should be a good one. We're we're releasing that one on December 22nd. Yeah. Yes, December 22nd. Right. So a few days before Christmas. Um and then we've got the week off between Christmas and New Year. And we come back in the early part of January, uh, first week, I think, with the game after Mars Morales. So yes. yes, do join us for that. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, we're on social media, the long short of it's um, you can get us via email. Do you know um, who, which voice actor did uh, Lazarevich, by the way? Oh, yes, I did see something and I can't remember who it is. It's someone that's done like a cartoony voice or something in the past, isn't it? Mr. Blobby. Oh, right, no, fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. I walked right into that. But I'm pretty sure I did see something. There's a voice actor in this that played like a really serious character that did. Like a children's voice name or something. But yes, Mr. Blobby is also an acceptable I would, answer. I've heard that his likeness was also inspired by Mr. Blobby. That's right. Particularly <laughs> the yellow spots and bow tie. Um yes. you, I walked I really a look that, that everyone should be going for, especially at this time of year. I really didn't see that coming to be honest. I'd completely forgotten about the Mr. <laughs> Blobby reference. So that, that took that's That's me... how we're
1: gonna get our Mr. Blobby references in there now. That's by right.
0: surprise. That took me by surprise. Um but yes, you can email us at the long and short of it at hotmail.com um, and yeah, if you like the the episode or the podcast, please consider following or subscribing or liking or sharing. Um, it, it does help um, in terms of us getting getting our reach out and, and helping find more people. But that's everything for me. Uh, anything else from you that is not Mister Blobby related? No, everything is Mister Blobby related. Well, you're not wrong there. That's a that's a true <laughs> fact. But we'll see you uh, we'll see you next week for our Christmas special with Spider Man Mars Morales. In the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.